from Matthew chapter 9. The essence of Jesus was his willingness to include. His defense for eating with sinners and tax collectors includes plain reason the healthy don't need a physician, and then an appeal to one of the great prophets, Hosea, in a line Jesus quotes twice in four chapters, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And as Jesus sat at dinner at, in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. That is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So we all always grieve it a little bit within the church staff when, when our website isn't totally uh, up to date. Maybe I don't feel so bad. So I, I, I went to Travelocity at roughly 10.30 this morning, and I just thought, well, what happens if I type in uh, Kiev, Ukraine? What, what's going to come up? And of course, it asks the question, is Kiev, Ukraine a place you want to go visit? And the answer was a big, bold yes, uh, because there are cultural sites and great history, and it's the seventh largest city in Europe, and it's one of the longest continuously occupied cities in Europe, and, and the food is great, and the people very relaxed. Then, then lots more stuff, and then right down at the bottom, someone had typed one sentence. Given the current war conditions, you should be aware that most of the most of the danger is to the southeast, and the capital is currently safe. Apparently, they were not tracking the rockets that you know, hit the TV tower yesterday or near it. Uh, it wasn't just Travelocity, though. I also went to Kayak, where they were still advertising day trips to visit the Chernobyl nuclear site. Even in good times, I'm not sure that's a trip I'm going on. It takes time to change, to learn, to grow, to trust. Obviously, it's taken them a little bit more than six days to change their websites. Now, I don't feel so bad if we miss a few things on, on the Unity website. Um, how long does it take to grow or to learn or to change or to trust? I, I was listening to one of the market commentators talk about how you know, it's, you know, all of this unrest in the world is, is hurting the markets. And, and, and that could be a long-term thing. It could last as long as the end of the second quarter of 2022. Apparently to this guy, four months is, is a really long time. What's, what is a long time, actually? Think, what's, what's a long time around here? Something that, that took forever to change. I, I kept thinking, and, and I came up with County Stadium. How long in this area did they talk about uh, taking down County Stadium and building a more modern stadium that took like all the 90s. Then, of course, there was tragedy in the construction, and so it went into the early part of the 2000s. I mean, it was probably 15 years. It takes time to change and to learn and to grow and to trust. If you go to Barcelona, there's the Sagrada Familia, the Holy Family Basilica. That's been under construction for 
135 years, and they've got like three decades to go on that thing. What actually is a long time? It takes time to learn and change and grow and to trust. Uh, I think that's especially hard in, in our culture, right? We're a very instant gratification culture. We're also a very youth-centered culture. Uh, a year when you're 15 years old, I mean, that's an amazingly long time. But when you're 80 years old, a year doesn't seem like it's actually all that long. And so we're, we're very impatient. We want things to, to change right now. I think, you know, a lot of the appeal of cryptocurrencies and, and nonstop gambling in our culture is people don't want to invest in a 401k for 40 years. They, they want to, like, be rich tomorrow. It takes time to learn and to grow, to change and to trust. So now I'll go back to 740 B.C., and you get to one of the great biblical prophets, Hosea. The prophets were these religious and social critics of their world. They were ahead of their time, and they were frequently not listened to very well. But we still have their words in Scripture because they were on target. They were so very on target. And Hosea looked at, 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 at his society and, and, and saw uh, so many failures of, of spirit and morality but, but he boiled it down at one point to one little poetic verse where he said, uh, speaking as if God, I desire hesed, which means steadfast love, but often also gets translated as mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifices. I deserve knowledge of God and not a burnt offering. He already understood 740 years before Christ, that one of the great struggles within religion is, on the one hand, there's something that's very comforting and important to us as people about rituals, like the one we just did, and, and, and rules that order our lives, but at the same time, those very things can become so very deadening. And, and, and how does one maintain a sense of the rule and the ritual and, and remain a welcoming community as opposed to an impositional community? How does, how does a community remain uh, able to and wanting to change for the sake of the world as opposed to growing in upon itself? This is always a struggle for people of faith. Hosea understood that, that where people then were stuck was on the idea that you could somehow offer a sacrifice to God, uh, a, burnt, a burnt offering of some sort, and that would be pleasing to God. But you heard the reading. Child sacrifice isn't what God wants. Animal isn't what God wants. But a heart is what God wants. A mind is what God wants. Steadfast love is a matter of the heart. A knowledge of God is a matter of mind. How long does it take to understand God and to be a person of steadfast love? How long does it take to change, to learn, to trust? So 740 years later, Jesus comes along. And uh, when he finally makes his way to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday at the end of this Lent season that we're about to enter into, he, he rides into town and where's his first stop? It's the temple in Jerusalem, a place of sacrifices. And, and what does he do there when he gets there? Does he offer a sacrifice? No, he overturns the tables of the money changers and says this place could have been a place of prayer, but you've just turned it into a place of commerce. 
And twice in Matthew's gospel, including in tonight's gospel lesson, as he reaches out to sinners and tax collectors, and as he heals on the Sabbath, he's criticized by the religious leaders. In, in tonight's gospel, it's an interesting thing. He, he, he welcomes sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees complain not to him but to his disciples. A little passive aggressiveness on their part. Or maybe they were just trying to co-opt his disciples onto their side. But in any event, Jesus has really good ears. He hears them, and he comes back with a little common sense. You know, it's not really the, the well people that need a physician. It's the sick people. I've come to, to save sinners, not, not call the righteous. And in the middle of that is his theological principle for that which is to quote Isaiah as he will do again in three chapters and to say, maybe you should learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he doesn't even have to say the second part, knowledge of God, rather than a burnt offering. But that was a hard lesson to learn. That's a hard lesson to learn. Prince of Peace. Pray for your enemies, even the ones who put you on the cross. Unconditional love. In 2,000 years, we've not learned that one very well. We live in a really hard time. What is going on in Ukraine is so disturbing. Maybe we had lived under the illusion that we wouldn't turn to violence against each other, but it's a very violent world and always has been. 2,000 years, we're still trying to learn that lesson, people of God. But there's good news. Sometimes it, it maybe doesn't seem like good news. I was thinking about how, how hard it is in this country for us to, to deal with matters of race and the anger and resentments and lack of trust that goes with that. Um, Europeans came to this country in 1619. Slavery followed shortly thereafter, as did moving the native peoples further and further west. There was still segregation in the south when I was, when I was born. That's only been gone for 58 years. And I think on, on, on the white communities, and there's sometimes you hear people say, well, why is it still a problem? Why? Why is there still resentment and mistrust? But it went on for 340 years. We've only had 60 years since then. It takes time to learn and to grow and to change and to trust. We'll be super, super blessed, I think, if, if we can be past that in another 60 years. But God's a God of great miracles and great power. But maybe that's, maybe that's too broad an example. I remember one time being really struck by someone who shared with me that they were, they were afraid. And, and I had a hard time grasping it because it was such an irrational thing, seemingly, that they were afraid of. And, until I, I heard more of their life story and, and the fear connected to a, a great hurt early in their life. A hurt they would probably never get past. And, and so all they were trying to do was work on the fact that the hurt created the fear and, and how could they think of that differently? How could they approach a situation differently and so, so that it didn't trigger that? Um, 
takes a lifetime sometimes to learn and to grow and to change and to trust. Like the ashes which remind us of our mortality, I share those things with you not to depress you, but to empower you. We are judgmental towards ourselves. We so often give up on, on the possibility that we or others can change or learn or trust again. But ours is a God of unconditional love, which is a power unlike any other. It can change like that, something that takes years, lifetimes, centuries, and more. It's Ash Wednesday, people, the start of the season of Lent. Lent means spring in the Latin, a time of growth and renewal. And therefore, I think not a time of, 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 of kind of the gloom that I think historically got associated with this season. What will, you, what will you do with these 40 days and six Sundays? I think one of the, one of the problems maybe with giving something up or adding something for Lent is, is it's still our idea. <laughs> it's, it's our diagnosis of what we think we need spiritually, but we're usually not right about that stuff. God plants the seeds and waters them. The, maybe the best we can do is make the soil a little bit more ready. So I could imagine this is how you could use your Lent. I could imagine that, that, that if you're aware of how hard it is to grow and to learn and to change and to trust, then, then maybe the way we, we move past the things on which we are stuck is just for a few moments to not be who we've always been. You could do the most frivolous of things. Go watch a movie or read a book, but one that you would never otherwise have watched or read. Open yourself to some other world for just a little bit. Volunteer for something that you've never done before and feel the awkwardness and, and, and stress that comes with doing something totally new. If you are a very patterned person, break the pattern. Woo. Or if you're John Horner Eibler who follows no pattern through life, maybe actually follow a schedule for it. <laughs> what would that be like? Stressful. <laughs> but it's all we can do to open the soil a little bit, to let God plant something there. God works on a timetable very different than mine or yours or anybody else's. And pray this, Lent. Pray that we start learning that lesson. Pray for peace. Pray for it soon. Pray for people in distress. Pray for people whose lives have been blown up around them. Pray for people everywhere in our world who, who can't trust. These things are important to pray about. And these things can change. It's Ash Wednesday, people of God. Trust that there is a power of good news in you and in our world. And should you see any evidence of it, in the days to come, one part of you can remember a certain Hosea who will be looking at you and thinking, 2,000, 
760 years. They finally got it.